I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show. I'm Big Douglas. That's the rapper Big Pooh. And our special guest today is Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports. Eric, thanks for giving us a little time today. What's up, fellas? What's going on? Not much. Another gloomy, rainy day in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have sun here in Chicago for the first time in like three months, so I'm I'm pretty excited about that, man. Nice. What? Uh, how long is the warm season up there in Chicago? Uh, August, basically. You know, no, not really. It's actually really nice here from about <laughs> mid-May to like mid-September, and then you start getting the cool nights and just changes a little bit, and you're thinking, oh, it's fall, and then. Two weeks later, it's winter. So it's basically two seasons. You get about two weeks of spring, two weeks of fall, and the rest is winter and summer. It's Friday. Big Poo's had the last couple of them off, but we started doing the birthday game. So uh, I got a couple I'll throw out here, see how you guys fare. Drew Barrymore has a birthday this week. How old do you think Drew Barrymore is? Mm, what are we going with here? Is she Is she 50 yet? I'm going to go 47. Yeah, so I'm 45, and I know she's a tad bit old. I'm pretty sure she's a tiny bit older. So you are you might be right on the number. I'll go one more. I'll say 48. 46 for Drew. Aziz Anzari has a birthday this week. Oh, jeez. Gosh. Uh, oh, man. I don't even know if he's 40. <laughs> Yeah, 38, 39, maybe. It's 38. Um, ah, okay. all right. 38. Yeah. Carrot's than I thought I'd be. <laughs> has a birthday. That's right. Carrot Top has a birthday this week. Who does? Carrot Top. Carrot, oh, Carrot, Carrot Top. Top. Wow. Now, I know he, he's old. He, um, he's, he's definitely older than Barrymore. Let's go 55. I'll say 54. Gary Top is 56 this week. Oh, my goodness. Right on it. And uh, last one for the birthday again this week. Chili from TLC has a birthday oh. this week. And you're going to and you're going to really uh, hate yourself when you hear this number. Oh, no, nah, I, I know she's older. Uh, let's go. If I'm 40. Let's go. Let's go. 40, 48. Can I text my wife real bad, real quick? I mean, she is a huge fan. Like we she's still talking about TLC, the like they, game. yeah. I mean, like this is still a top three uh, musical act for her. Uh, that sounds about right. Maybe it, maybe, maybe fifty. Fifty. Wow. Okay. On the nose. That's amazing. Not for chilling. It is. It is nice. All right. Very good. Uh, Eric, I'm curious. This year, there's no combine. Yeah, and the combine is a whole lot more than charting numbers. What is the league? How are they navigating not having what really is a very important part of the league year? Yeah, you know when the when the combine was first created back in the early mid '80s, it was designed to be this central location, right? Indianapolis, sort of kind of middle of the country, and a place where all these prospects could come in. They could get you know, across the board medical information on them. And that was really the, 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 the genesis of it was, 
We want to find out again about the kid's ACL the year before, his broken leg in high school, whatever. Uh, and it branched out from there and obviously became the, the made-for-TV event that we know it is today. So, you know, are some of the 40 times going to look maybe a little inflated or a little hot, you know, a little uh, better than you'd expect at these pro days? Sure. You know, home field advantage, whatever you want to say. But I really think the lack of medical information, guys, is, is, is going to cloud the picture a little bit. You know, from the agents I've talked to, from the teams I've spoken with, that process has been kind of the thorniest thing that they've gone through so far in terms of figuring out how they can kind of share all this information and, and get with uh, the proper doctors and everything like that. So, yeah, the, the testing scores, we'll get them at the pro day. Some guys may not be able to do them, but I, I think the interviews and the medical portion are really what, what people are missing out on most. Eric, does not having uh, the combine help athletes that may not have been invited to to the combine so when they go to these individual schools these individual pro days right. you get you get more athletes than what would have been at the combine yeah for maybe some of the bigger schools for sure the, the problem that we're also having here depending on these pro days going off and, and becoming you know like miniature little combines is that not every school and especially the smaller schools are going to be able to host them this year either because of local COVID restrictions, it's a financial situation, or that they're afraid NFL scouts just won't make the trip up there unless they're, you know, across town, you know, like, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example this year, but, you know, some of these schools that are within 20 minutes drive of a bigger school, like Wisconsin Whitewater's doing its the day before the University of Wisconsin, hoping that scouts stay around make a short trip they don't even have to change hotels if they don't want to so but yeah you bring up an interesting point normally if a guy gets you know is not one of the 330 plus players who gets invited there's a little bit of a stigma attached to him uh and yet we saw the Steelers draft a pretty good guy out of Louisiana last year who wasn't uh, invited I don't know what the effect is going to be whether that's going to help guys uh, whether it's going to hurt them, but you're right. There won't be that, that, that negative stigma attached was not invited to the combine. I don't know that really affects teams, but it certainly slims down their information. So it's a great question. I don't know the answer to it. And it, it's also a, a meeting of the minds, right? It's, it's just as much the executives yep. chatting and putting, putting stuff together. Will it affect that in any way? Yeah. I mean, the best part about going to Indy and we'd be there this week, this would be going on right now. We'd, you know, you can go grab coffee at the, the, the place across the street. And I know the hidden spot, too. I know where the execs go. They don't go to the Starbucks, or at least not a lot of them, because that's where all the media people hang out. But uh, you go and you see agents talking to, you know, team presidents, GMs, head coaches, whatever it is. A lot of this is kind of the legwork for free agency. They can discuss their own players. They're not supposed to talk about the, the free agents on other teams, wink, wink. But it happens, you know, so it really does kind of set the table combine week does for the free agency. Now, of course you can jump on a zoom call. You can make a phone call, but I think sometimes you can, you can have that sort of person to person connection there and maybe find out some information from all your, your moles on the ground and all your different sources that you have out there. It's just going to be a little different this year. They won't be quite as windy as it normally is with all the, all the people chatting. Is it surprising in a league where, teams and executives are always talking about building through the draft that we do the free agency before the draft. Have they talked about flipping that? I've not heard any real discussion about that. I, I've, I, I completely agree too. I remember talking to, I think it was Brad Holmes, who's the new Lions GM. We were 
uh, talking maybe a year or two ago and he was saying, and this is slightly different, but it'll get to that point. He was saying, you know, we have the college season. It ends December, January, whatever. And then three months pass and we have workouts and all this other stuff, the combine, whatnot, pro days before we draft the players. He said, I wonder what the effect would be if we had the draft, maybe not immediately after the, the, the season, but, you know, within a month or two, six or eight weeks, whatever it is, you know, and then the, to your point, putting free agency after that, I think that the fear is that they don't want to hurt the veterans who are looking for jobs. And so there may be opportunities where teams say, all right, we need a left guard. Let's just go, let's go find one now. Let's plug that hole so that on draft day, we're not reaching for a left guard. Again, I'm just using an example, but I, I wonder if that's not part of it, because if you have the, the spending portion first, guys maybe get paid a little bit more. Whereas if you have the draft and you start filling all your holes, right. Maybe you're not willing to spend as much. I don't know. That's a, that's an yeah. interesting uh, question. I haven't heard in a long time. Eric, how big will these pro days be for players that decided to opt out last season, like a Michael Parsons and Jamar yeah. Chase? Like, how, how big will these pro days be for them? Yeah, I mean, I personally think somebody like like Chase is going to go, you know, top six, seven, eight picks no matter what. But, you know, if it, if it bumps you up a spot, if people are reminded of how good an athlete you are, how well you catch the football, how well you run routes, it, it certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah, I was at his pro day. He looked fantastic. We're all good there. You know, that kind of report can mean a lot and kind of seal the deal or, or something like that. Um, you know, and like we do have these short memories, right? We watched, you know, guys like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields uh, play this past season. We didn't see other players perform. It's been funny to me to look at some of the opt-out guys, the very top, top, you know, the top 5% of those opt-outs or whatever, their stock hasn't really changed all that much. But some of the players like, let me think of a good example, uh, Jay Tufaley out of USC, you know, these are media reports, but if you looked at some over the summer before he opted out, you'd occasionally see him trickle into the first round. You maybe see with some second round grades. I don't know if he's even going to go on day two now. It's, and he hasn't done anything to hurt himself. So yes, if he has a good pro day workout, if all these other guys who are not considered, you know, top 15 or 20 locks, if they work out, they show out well, I think it can help him a lot. And we saw at the senior bowl, Occasionally uh, an opt-out guy like a Nick Col uh, Nico Collins from Michigan looked a little rusty the first day. And then all of a sudden by day two, he had his sea legs under him and he looked like the, the prospect everybody thought. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's a little bit of that going on. Eric, you mentioned the quarterbacks. Let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, Zach Wilson's stock is, is skyrocketing. We actually talked to uh, Theisman the other day uh, and he told Pooh and I that he liked him above all the other quarterbacks, including Lawrence. And, and frankly, he's not alone in that. I've seen more and more people say that. What is going on with the Wilson stock? Yeah, I think there's this sort of infatuation with the guys who have, you know, the arm talent and the ability to move. And good luck. For, I mean, it's good for the, for the league, too, in the sense that a lot of the prospects – you know, you put one of your best athletes at quarterback, you develop him, you figure out what he can do. Um, you know, it used to be you got sort of the, the, the statuesque pocket guy back there. And the, the Mac Joneses of the world are more the exception of the rule now. You know, I mean, they, they're, they're sort of uh, yesterday's quarterback, if you will. Now, I still think those guys can play a little bit. But 
Yeah, I mean, Wilson was a question mark heading of the year, probably had, you know, grades, you know, maybe not every every team even graded him because he was only a rising junior, but, but day three range, round five, round six, the talent was there. We saw it in 2018. He had a little bit of an injury-plagued 2019 season, had a couple of things. He had a shoulder and then a wrist, uh, missed part of the season. So he came into the year – People still remembered what he did his freshman year when he was called the, the Mormon Manziel and all that and was, you know, putting up the highlight plays and having fun out there. A little raw, but uh, this year he sort of put it all together. Now, how much of that was the fact that he was playing, you know, a weak Boise State team and, and not as good a usual San Diego State team? He didn't get to play Utah. He struggled against the Utes in 2019. Probably his stiffest defensive test was, was Coastal Carolina, but – when you see him out there making those Mahomesian throws and those Aaron Rodgers type plays, I mean, it's hard not to get excited, but there's still some, some holes in his tape. He still makes some, uh, some, uh, throw some hospital balls out there, you know, can, can get a little cute with the ball and get a little, you know, a little, uh, a little too cute for my taste at times, but boy, it's, it's hard not to, to be allured by what he has to offer. Eric, do you, do you see the top five, quarterback prospects all going in the first round this year obviously we know it's QB needy teams out there right. but you know how they fall you know determines a lot but do you see them all going in that first round I, th I think so yeah and you know assuming let's just throw you know whatever order you want to put them in Trevor Lawrence Justin Fields uh, Zach Wilson Trey Lance and Mac Jones the question was Mac like what was he was he that good was he a product of a system that was loaded with five-star recruits and future NFL studs? You know, the, the answer is probably yes to both. He was, he's the one who made the passes. He completed almost 80% of his passes. Ridiculous. 77 and a half or whatever it was, you know, a 10 to one touchdown to interception ratio, you know, looked cool and poised out there. And some people even thought he played better than Tua did prior to his injury last year. But, you know, the, the question was how much, how high is his ceiling? Is he kind of close to maxed out? I think it's a fair concern. I think he's a little bit of a safer play than some of the other guys. The riskiest one is probably Trey Lance. I mean, it's hard not to get thrilled watching him. That's why I yeah. think he's ultimately going in the top 10 or 12 picks. But are you a confident enough GM to take a guy with 17 FCS starts, won this past year, and, and, and hope it works out? Hope he's in the right system. I mean, that's it's, it's going to be... It could be a pick that guarantees the GM is going to be there for 10 years, or it could be the pick that, that gets the guy fired in, in three years. I got to assume that how, how the Carson Wentz story is playing out didn't give Trey Lance any, any help here. Fair point. Yeah. I mean, right. There's always going to, whether it's fair or not, I think there's always going to be suspicion, you know, and it's different from saying, well, why Justin Fields isn't going to be good because no Ohio state quarterback made in the NFL. To me, that's a dumb argument. But if you're looking at a system that's in place, and in this case, a lower level of football, I mean, it's it's something to wonder, especially for teams where the owners like to kind of dabble in the first round picks and maybe they may break ties or they may have their influence felt. You know, the scouting departments obviously hate that, right? They don't want to have the owner who doesn't study football. They study the business. They don't want them making the picks. Uh, that could be the kind of thing that 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 affects it. But yeah, I would think the the Wentz effect is probably not a huge part of it, but it's it's part of it. 
We do a lot of Washington football team here. What do you think they're looking at at 19? I mean, I don't want to say that the Mac dream is dead, but it almost feels like he's going higher than 19 at this point. And, uh, you know, do they want to trade up? Are they, you know, what, what do they feel about Taylor Heineke after the playoff game? Is he even a legitimate starting candidate at this point? It's probably the most confusing situation as it stands right now. Patriots would be there. Saints until they figure out what they're doing, Chicago Bears, but really those sort of five teams right now, you know, assuming none of them can get Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or some pie in the sky dream like that, they're going to probably have to rely on the draft at some point. Now, you know, if those five quarterbacks are gone, that lends me to believe that the other 14 picks, they'll still be an offensive playmaker or a lineman there that could really help. I mean, could they go defense? Sure. Right. If there was somebody special who's still on the board, but my feeling is that, you know, however they end up going about the quarterback position and assuming those five are off the board, you know, getting some help for whoever's making the passes certainly is, would, would be a good upgrade. I mean, they're, they're putting some really interesting stuff together, but it's just not a complete picture in my mind. They've, they've been in on almost every quarterback that's been available, to my knowledge. Right, which lends you to believe they're interested in upgrading the spot. Right, and it, it makes it seem like a veteran would be the first choice, right? If they're if they're you know testing the water on Stafford, if they're looking in on on some of the other guys who've been dealt, it it, let, it makes you believe that they're at least going to try to solve the problem through the veteran route and not trust the rookie. Or, I mean, they'd like to have it obviously figured out before the draft if they can and if it's a starting caliber quarterback. So, I don't know. I don't exactly know what direction they're going to go, but they're one of those fascinating teams that, you know, obviously what they do in free agency is going to have a huge effect on, on what they end up doing in the draft, starting with quarterback. All of the talk has been about what is considered the most important position on the field, quarterback, for the upcoming yeah. draft. What is the next best position in this upcoming draft? The next the next best and or the next deepest? Yeah. And I mean, in terms of positional importance, some people will tell you an edge rusher is crucial. Some will tell you a cornerback is. Some will say, you know, a left tackle or something like that. But if we're strictly looking just at the talent available, this crop of wide receivers is, again, after last year, was, was a really good group. I'm starting to think this year might be a little better, a little deeper you know, and maybe a little more top heavy too. Like we didn't get a receiver in the top 10 picks last year, but we had a bunch through about number 100, you know, and then it tailed off a little bit after that. So the top 100 picks were very well represented a year ago by wide receivers. There could be more top 100 receivers this year. So to me, that's the deepest and I think the strongest position. Um, offensive tackle is good. Edge rusher seems like it has depth. I don't know. There's, there's no Chase Young guy in, the, in this group in my opinion, um, you know, no Bosa, nothing on that level, but there's a lot of B plus and B and B minus, you know, graded rushers. So receiver tackle edge rusher uh, corner is pretty good. I think we're going to have at least three, if not four first round corners and decent depth after that, um, you know, running back tight end. So, so quarterback, it falls off fast. I would say the interior offensive line is not as good as I thought it would be like a month or two ago. Um, and then probably linebacker would be the next deepest position. I think there's a good crop of linebackers. I, 
you know, I don't love any of them outside of Parsons in the first 15 picks, but you know, from that point till about the end of round three and maybe even in round four, some pretty good linebackers in this, in this group. Eric, I'm always curious because we're close to it. What we think the national perception of the Washington football team was after this year that they've had. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a great story. I mean, I really did. I, I was, I was really impressed with the way, you know, there was so much negativity obviously dragged in from, you know, the, the lawsuits and all, you know, the yeah. name change and everything that happened with that. I, I suspect some of my media friends may not just like anything about the franchise. I hate to say that there might be bias out there in the world. I know you guys are stunned to hear this, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was almost like you couldn't deny that, you know, yeah, okay, there's going to be a team that, that wins the division without a very impressive record, but to see where they came from and where they ended up and to see them, you know, battle in the playoff game, I mean, I thought Heineke played as well as, you know, Drew yeah. Brees, Aaron Rodgers, or Patrick Mahomes did against uh, the Bucks defense. So look, I mean, there's something to be said about that. You know, Gibson's a fun player, you know, Thomas, obviously, and McLaurin, you know, fun to see those guys. Chase Young gets in there. I was shocked that there were even stories about, is he a bust? I mean, you're watching him play, right? He's, he's good, right? And you understand that, okay? So he was a great addition a year ago. I don't think they, you know, unless they had designs on drafting Herbert, they made absolutely the right pick. And I don't even believe they they met with Herbert at the combine last year. So it was kind of a Chase Young or bust type of deal. So yeah. unless Burrow fell. So I thought, you know, they, they nailed that pick. You know, they made some other smart choices along the way. And, and I, I, I don't know exactly what the national percept, perception is of this team, but I've always been a Ron Rivera fan. I've known him a while, and it's hard not to like that what they're doing. Eric, is this the most, um, let's see, uh, crazy the quarterback position has been in the offseason in a while? You have, obviously, the, the, the prospects coming in, and then yeah. you have, Matthew Stafford already has been traded. Deshaun Watson wants out. The Russell Wilson noise. Who knows what happens with Dak Prescott? Yeah. Like, is this the most, you know, insane that position has been in a while? Or unsettled, I'll say. Well, right. I mean, let, let's Eric, like, let's do it this way if we can. Yeah. Don't we just where do you think these guys end up? Like, let's start with Darnold. Uh, yeah. With, with who's the first see, one? Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Oh, Darnold. see Sam Darnold starting the season. Yeah, so with Wentz going to Indy, I, I would think the team that makes the most sense would probably be the Chicago Bears. I mean, I, if I had to guess and pick a team, I don't think they're trading them in the division. So Patriots, let's rule them out for now. You know, could Washington or somebody else get involved? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's certainly possible, but – you know, I, I think the Bears are, are in a weird spot in the sense that Ryan Pace, like the like Washington, outside the top 15, probably not in range of drafting one there. The last time he traded up for a QB was Trubisky ahead of Watson and Mahomes. You know, so you kind of have to go with a veteran, but not give up too much. But I could see Pace trading next year's first because if it works out, great. If not, Somebody else's problem. He's getting fired, you know, so I, I kind of see it that way, but that's just a guess. All right, Dak Prescott. I, I think he probably signs the tender and returns. The fact that we haven't really heard a lot of clarity on that situation just kind of keeps the door open just a little bit. Uh, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, how, how that would develop if, if for some reason he wasn't going to get that and he got Kirk Cousins or whatever, but 
Yeah, it, it's a little bit of a strange deal. So I'll say he stays in Dallas, given that they haven't really talked openly about looking elsewhere. Deshaun Watson. I almost feel like I'm swimming upstream on this one. You still hear people say, well, Texans are, you know, in a terrible spot. They're just going to have to trade him. Do they, do they have to? I mean, I understand he's made it darn clear. He doesn't want a thing to do with the organization. I mean, I get that, you know, anyone who wants to call him from that team and and try to talk him out of it, they can try. It doesn't sound like they're going to do a very good job of it. And I think it would probably be pretty disastrous if they had to go into this, into the season without any kind of, you know, defined starter losing their superstar. I mean, unless they're putting on a really good show, which they might be Nick Casario, new GM, keeping his cards close to the vest. We don't know how to read them yet. You know, maybe there's still a chance he ends up there, but if there's a team out there, not name the Miami dolphins that could put in a big offer because the dolphins have the assets. They could trade two in picks, whatever. Carolina Panthers are the ones who remember I talked about the owners David Tepper, the owner who's been there a couple of years, reportedly is like hellbent or, or, you know, infatuated on the idea of making a run at Watson. And that could even include Christian McCaffrey. So yeah, that would be the other team besides the Dolphins that, that could be in play. You mentioned Tua. Uh, I know you interviewed him the other day. Yeah. Are they re- have they really given up on Tua after year one? Do you think he's in Miami, he's in Miami next year, right? Right. Well, the, the interview was set up through his uh, marketing people and they, they gave us the stipulation of no trade questions, you know, which I, you know how that goes. So, yeah, uh, I wanted to somehow sort of sneak it in, you know, to see if he'd respond at all without actually saying the word trade. But I didn't want to push my luck. So I don't believe they've given up. I think if there's a way they can trade him in a, in a Deshaun Watson deal, they do it in a heartbeat. I think that's the only scenario where he's not a Dolphin next year. What about Russell, Russell Wilson? Wow. I mean, this, this thing has taken on kind of a life of its own. It's I, weird, I admittedly, right? You know, around the Super Bowl, we heard the reports, oh, his camp isn't happy and the Seahawks, you know, may dangle him or whatever. You know, it just felt like a slow news cycle story to me. And it felt like maybe ginned up to, to sound a little sexier than it was. But good piece by The Athletic this week. Three different uh, writers worked on it. Really kind of detailed where the divide was and how Russ felt his input should matter more. You know, there was some sort of chaos on the coaching side, Pete Carroll digging his heels in. He wants to run the ball, play safe, you know, and then take shot plays every now and then basically telling Russell, no, we're going to do it my way. Cause I'm Pete Carroll, you know, that one feels a little more solvable than, than Watson's situation right now. So I still feel like there's a decent chance he's, I mean, better than decent, a very good chance that he's back in Seattle. But, you know, we were almost at this point in 2018 when they were negotiating. I mean, they were, there was a rumor about sending him to the Browns for the number one pick that year. I think it was Miles Garrett, if I remember. I mean, yeah. you know, like imagine how that would, or no, it ended up being Baker. Sorry, it ended up being Baker Mayfield, I guess. But man, what a, what a change that would have been. It just would have been so different. But uh, I would say there's there's maybe a 10 or 15% chance. They'll ask a lot. It would it would crush their cap if they traded him. That's the problem. Yeah, so I have, it was like 39 million against the cap and yeah, dead money. It's high. It's high, right. If they did it, I mean, if they did it post June 1st, they'd have some relief. They could spread the cap hit over two years. 
They wouldn't take as big a chunk out of it. They would get some cap relief from his contract tolling to the next year or not tolling, but uh, rolling over to the next year. But are you trading your starting quarterback in June? Like what, then what do you do? You know, you, you bring Matt Flynn back. I mean, what, <laughs> it's not like there's a whole lot of options at that point, unless you're getting a starting QB back, which is the only way to do it. I have one more QB situation, not yeah. necessarily QB. What are the New Orleans Saints going to do? Because uh, I, I, I don't think that um, – what is his name? I cannot Taysom. remember his name. Taysom has shown that he's really ready to to handle things full time. So what are they, they going to do down there in New Orleans? Oh, Sean Payton. Isn't he just the best, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's – you know, he did it like a, like a media junket at the end of the year. It was kind of weird. He did a bunch of interviews. I don't know how they were set up, but he basically gave the same message. I love Taysom Hill. Jameis Winston's still in the picture. We don't know what Drew's going to do. You know, could Drew come back? Maybe. I don't think he will. He hasn't said anything yet. It's a little bit surprising, but you know, he still has plenty of time to retire for agency didn't start till the 17th. So you know, I would guess a, a Winston Hill pairing and then maybe drafting someone a little bit farther down the line, you know, maybe like a Kellen Mond who's got big arm, comes from kind of a pro style system at A&M under Jimbo Fisher, got a lot of tools, you know, somebody who Peyton could, could uh, kind of develop a little bit behind the scenes. So, you know, I mean, I could, I could see that route being pretty pretty possible but again there are people out there who kind of wonder has his breeze made his mind up yet or is his body healing and he's now starting to think i got i got one more i watched tom win a super bowl i want to do that it, it could happen i don't know eric we appreciate the time today this was a whole lot of fun yeah i'd love to do it any other time good hopping on with you guys i appreciate it thank you very much all right fellas have a good one see ya